We're going to go to 1 John chapter 2 this morning in your Bible, please. The book of 1 John, back toward the back of your New Testament, and chapter number 2. And when you find that place, if you would stand with us, if you're well able to stand for the reading of the Word of God, as is our custom around here, in honor of God's Word. Aren't you glad you got the Bible? And I don't know where we'd be without it, for sure. We'd be a mess, bigger mess than we are. 1 John chapter number 2, look down, if you would, to verse 3. And that's where we'll begin our reading. We're not going to read too far. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 3. The Bible says, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Let's pray. We'll get going. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your care over us. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible and uh, the admonitions that are given. I thank you for this crowd that's out this morning. And I pray, dear God, that you just help us. Lord, as we look into your word, that you do the work that only you can do. And once again, if there's someone here that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray, dear God, that you would uh, speak very clearly to them about that, that they might come to know Christ before it's eternally too late. Bless and help us now as we get into your word. We pray and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. The purpose of the book of 1 John was to correct error from uh, false teachers, and it was also to strengthen the believers in their walk with the Lord. You know, there's a lot of different teachings um, about our relationship with God and our walk with Him. However, it is not about what others would say in such matters, but it's about what the Bible says in such things. It's our final authority in all manners of faith and practice. And I want to help us today to see where we stand with the Lord. I think it's important, very, very important. We have to ask our questions like, are we maturing in our relationship with God? Do you, do you know for sure that you have a relationship with Him? The most important thing we'll know before we ever leave this earth is that we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And I'd like for us to think about questions like those uh, as we get into the message uh, of which I've titled, Living to Walk with God. Living to Walk with God. As we read in our scripture today, we see a pattern that's depicted here. There in verse number three, it said, And hereby we do know, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. <clears throat> we become like those that we're around, don't we? And for instance, I've noticed from talking to different church members, especially those that have a lot of family members here in the church, that most of you had certain traits that are common to other members of your family. Uh, an example of that would be certain facial expressions, maybe a certain smile or, or eye expression. However, from a spiritual point of view, there's another in whose actions we should pattern, and his name's Jesus Christ. 
we should be striving to become more like him as we live our Christian life. After we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, as we get into his word and he gives us direction, we should, we should from that time strive to become more like him. When a person first comes to Jesus for salvation, there's some instantaneous changes that take place. I'm thankful for those in my own life 37 years ago. But it's very natural for us to retain some characteristics of our old life. We have two natures in us now once we're saved. We have that new nature that God gave us when we trusted Christ. But we still have that old nature, that old fleshly nature. It's always going to be there. We're just sinners saved by grace. But over time, as we grow and mature in the Lord, there should be some changes that begin to take place. And those changes are produced as we learn more about God and Christ and the Bible. And as we yield to the leadership of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, uh, as we yield to Him in our lives. And hopefully, hopefully, as these changes take place, we'll find our attitudes, our actions, our attractions, different things become less like the old pre-salvation person and more like the Lord Jesus. I mean, we're, we're growing to be more like Him or should be growing to be more like Him. I mean, God's complete purpose for each of us is the same purpose that's found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, where where the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God may use different means of getting each of us to that point of being more like Jesus, but the purpose is the same end result for us all. To be more like Christ. Come on, we're to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That takes time, doesn't it? Come on, it takes learning, doesn't it? It takes some pressure, doesn't it? Come on, to conform anything takes pressure. So there's some pressure there as we're conformed to Him. Uh, we're, we're no longer the way we used to be. We're yielding to Him, allowing God to do what only God can do. And so that He might conform us into the image of His precious Son. You know, it's perfectly natural, truly, for a baby to act like a baby. I know that's not deep, but it's really the truth. It's perfectly natural. I mean, they cry, they suck on bottles, they dirty their diapers, they play with their toes. Babies do. But as they continue to grow, they change. And they start taking on the characteristics of those that are around them. And they begin to act more like people and less like babies. I mean, not that babies aren't people. They're just little people with very weird habits. That's the thing with babies. So it is with God's children. I mean, when we are first saved, it's natural for us truly to stumble as we take those first baby steps on wobbly spiritual legs. But as time passes, as time goes on, we really should begin to mature and to take on the characteristics of our Savior to grow in the nurture and admonition of our Lord. We see a pattern that's evidence in the scriptures. Born again, people will take on the traits of the Lord Jesus. We'll take on the traits of the Lord Jesus. Traits like what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Come on, we begin to take on those traits. No, if we're really trying to grow in the Lord Jesus, yielding to Him, letting Him do what only He can do, I mean, we're going to grow in Christ. And it's a pattern truly And many could stand up and testify, it's a pattern that's enjoyable. 
It's an enjoyable pattern. When you begin to die to self and live unto him, and the more you walk with the Lord, the more enjoyable it comes. Come on, I, 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 it's a shame today that people can't enjoy their Christianity. People today seem to endure their Christianity. It was never meant to be that way. We're supposed to have an abundant joy. The Lord says we're supposed to have an abundant joy. And so it does become more enjoyable as we walk with him. As we see and we experience the developing pattern, we gain confidence and and we gain even the courage to live more boldly for the cause of Christ. That our light would shine the way that it's supposed to shine. And we do that until until a perfection is displayed. It says there in verse number five, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that hereby know we that we are in him. That word perfected there is from the Greek word um, uh, teleo, teleo, teleo. You can tell I'm not a Greek expert. Teleo, not to be conformed with, not to be confused with tally ho. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> back on track now. Uh, the word, even though I can't pronounce it, the word means completed or finished. Now, hold on. Stay with me. Completed or finished. Or it means to add what is yet wanting to render a thing full. To add what is yet wanting to render a thing full. <clears throat> when I got saved 37 years ago out of a life of drug addiction, I didn't know anything about the Bible, church, Christianity, anything else. And God began to work on me. He saved my soul that day in April 1984. And he began to work on me. He changed my heart immediately. It was an amazing thing. I no longer wanted to do a lot of the things that I was doing. I'm very thankful for that. But then there became a growing process. And God began to, well, he, he began to add. Because I, I needed. There was a wanting there. There was an emptiness there. There were things there that... I didn't even know that I needed that God continued to add, trying to get me to a place of, of perfection, completed and finished. And here's what I've learned about that now after 37 years, is he's still got a lot of work to do. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's not like I've arrived. I'm not, I don't even think I'm close to arrival. Miss Pam probably stand up and testify to that. I don't even think I'm close to arrival, but I'm better than I used to be. Thank God for that. And God continues to work on me. As I allow him to work on me, he continues to work on me to trying to get me to that place and adding these things to my life that I might be better for him. That doesn't give us an excuse just to live in sin. Heaven forbid that we would do that after the grace that has been poured out on us. But, but it does let us know that, that, that we, we are supposed to continue to grow. Well, Brother Marshall, but I fail God a lot. Welcome to the club. No, no, it's a big club. And anybody that says they don't fail God every once in a while, well, I'd have to have a long discussion with them because it doesn't line up with what the Bible has to say. We want to be better. We want to allow God to, to make us into what He wants us to be. But there, there has to be that, there has to be that uh, well, there has to be that adding of the Word because His love is perfected according to the verse that we read in those who keep His Word. No, no, we read it right there in verse number 5. But whoso keepeth His Word, in Him verily is the love of God perfected. You know, it's easy to identify a person seemingly who puts much time into reading and studying the, the Word of God because the love of the Father seems to radiate through them to an extent. Oh, they might have problems. They might have shortcomings here and there, but the love of God is in them and it, and it is coming out. 
And the display of the love of God assures our position in him. It says, hereby know we that we are in him, that we are in him. You know, we could go over We could go over to the book of Peter that says we're supposed to add to our faith virtue and a virtue knowledge and a knowledge temperance. And we could go on all through that. And it goes on, I think, in verse number 9 where it says that he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So if we're not allowing God to work on us and, and, and add these things to us, pretty soon we're going to just, it's going to be like, well, did I really get saved? Well, did I really trust Christ? Come on, come on, somebody help me out here. It's really true. So we have to be allowing God to work and we have to be in his word, don't we? Because it's the word of God that makes the changes in our life. It's the word of God that feeds that new, that new spirit, that new nature that's in us. We're saved by the grace of God. We have those two natures. We have the old nature. We have the new nature. If we continue to feed the old nature, guess what? We're just going to continue to live that same old life. But if we begin to feed that new nature the way that we should feed the new nature, things are going to start happening. Changes are going to be made. Things that only God can do. But we have to, we have to uh, uh, adhere to the word of God. Uh, a person who claims to be a Christian and, and has no love of God displayed in their life, I, I, I'm, I believe they've been fooled. Uh, you know, we should have a love. We should have a love for those that are without Christ. The love of God in us will be seen in our display for the concern of salvation of others. Isn't it an amazing thing when somebody gets saved by the grace of God? One of the first things they want to do is tell others that they've been saved by the grace of God. They want other people to know that they can be saved by the grace of God. I didn't know what a gospel track was, but after I got saved, everywhere I went, I was telling people they needed Jesus because, man, oh man, whatever he had done, I figured everybody wanted it. It's a natural thing. But there also has to be love for the brethren. No, 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 the Bible teaches that. Let me give you a very powerful scripture to back up what I just said. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life, that we've been born again, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So if your love and devotion is directed to those who are strangers to the love of God, stay with me here, that are strangers to the love of God, then really you need to check up on your profession of faith. I'm not speaking about love for the lost. I just said we ought to have love for the lost. Definitely so. Trying to get them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But there's some that would rather go fishing and hunting and whatever with the lost friends than to go to church and fellowship around the things of God. There's a problem there. No, no, no. According to the word of God, there's a problem there. This is Bill Marshall's opinion. There's a problem there. We ought to have love for the brethren. If, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, we ought to have love for the brethren. If your pleasure is greater around those that are lost than it is around those that are born again by the Spirit of God, there, there may be a real problem in your life. Come on, that's pretty strong, isn't it? I can't believe you're even saying that. It's strong. I understand that. But it is what 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 is saying. No, I'll read it again. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. God wants us to check ourselves out, doesn't he? Come on, there's not anybody that wants you to be saved more than God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. And so he gave us his only begotten son. We know that. We're going to get to that in a minute. And then he gave us his word that, that we might check ourselves out to make sure that we have been born again by the Spirit of God. So it's not a bad thing, is it, that we would look into the word of God and make sure that we are where we need to be with him? Uh, not only that we've been born again by the Spirit of God, but that we are doing our best to walk with God. So there's a profession declared in here. 
What do you mean? Well, back in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, He that saith, he that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to so, uh, also so to walk, even as he walked, even as the Lord walked. He that saith, he abideth in him. Now, let's consider the word saith there. And those referred to in this passage where we read this morning have a profession of faith. They have a profession of faith. That is, they have said that they're saved. So let's examine their claim as well as our own claim. Be a good thing. When they make the profession that they abide in him, that they abide in him, they're saying a mouthful. Well, how come? Well, it says, he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk. So the word ought there, he, he ought himself also to walk. The word ought there is more than a challenge. It's more than an example. Apparently, according to the word of God, it's an expectation. No, an expectation from God. Come on, we do believe that this is from God, right? Yeah, sure, we do. Absolutely. So, so this is an expectation from God. So we have a declaration of salvation. And those referred to in this passage claim to be in Christ. And we know one thing. There's only one way to be in him. And that is through the receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We know that. Acts chapter 16 verse 31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And so they have trusted Christ or say that they have trusted Christ as their Savior. So to be in Christ is the only place of salvation. It's the only place of safety. It's the only place of security. It's really the only place of peace and happiness. It's the only place of being right with God. It's the only place of being delivered from hell. It's the only place that to be certain of heaven. So the benefits of being in Jesus Christ are enormous, but the consequences of not being in Christ are catastrophic. And so we have to ask ourselves, don't we? Come on, where are we? Are we in Christ? Have we been saved by the grace of God? Have we trusted Christ as our personal Savior or have, have we not? I mean, look, you and God are the only ones that know. Me and God are the only ones that know about me. You and God are the only ones that know about you. I can't, I can't look at somebody and say, well, they're not saved. I, I can't make that declaration because I can't see their heart. I don't know, but it's good that we would check ourselves out, isn't it? Come on, because one of these days, we're all going to meet that in time in our life. Come on, one of these days, we will all take our last breath. That's going to happen. It will absolutely happen. Nobody's going to escape that. It will happen. And when that time happens, we're either going to be one of two places. We are either going to be in heaven or we are going to be in hell. So we need to check ourselves out. And just in case there is somebody here present that's never been saved, I want to take a moment to talk about that. I think it's only right being in church we should do that. Really, God made getting saved easy for you and me. All the work has been done. There's only a few things you need to know and accept and one thing really you need to do. And I want to allow, just allow me to share those things with you real quick. We have to know that we're a sinner. That's fairly easy. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, as it is written, there's none righteous. No, not one. No, no, no. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That would be all. That would be everyone. We have all sinners. We're sinners in the eyes of God. But we have to understand that the penalty for sin, well, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we have to know, and, and, and we must know that God loves us. 
Uh, let, let me bring it on a personal level. God loves you. He loves you. And, and he has made a way for you to be saved. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. says, but God commendeth or proved his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, I love it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for me before I ever knew him. He died for me knowing that I would need him. He died for us because we are sinners and we need him. Absolutely so. I'm so thankful that Christ died for us. But we have to believe the gospel. It's, it's, we have to believe the gospel. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is very true that Jesus was born of a virgin. It is very true that he lived a virtuous sinless life. It is very true that he went to an old rugged cross and shed his lifeblood for you and I gave up the ghost and died. It is very true that he laid in a, di- in a tomb dead for three days it is very true that he rose from the dead after that time and that he that he that he paid the price with his own blood for your sin and my sin it is very true that he ascended to the father not many days after that it is very true that he sits at God's right hand now it is very true that if we would just turn to him and trust what he did for us on the cross all those years ago that we can be saved from our sin because there's a penalty for sin and we can't save ourselves from it. It is very true. The gospel is very true. So we have to be willing to repent of our sins. To repent. Stay with me here. Luke chapter 13 verse 3 says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus said that. Except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now please listen to me right here. Because that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect before you can get saved. No, 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 it's not talking about that at all. It just means repentance toward God just means that you're aware of your sins and that you're sorry for your sins and and that you're willing to let the Lord take your sins away and change your mind about them. It really means simply that you're willing to be changed. Lord, I'm willing to trust you and to allow you to do what only you can do in my life. Save my soul and help me to be what I should be. There has to be that, that time. No, 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 it's more than just saying a prayer. I'll say it again. It's more than just saying a prayer. I'll say it one more time. It's more than just saying a prayer. I mean, with the heart, the man, man believeth unto righteousness. With, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I understand. But with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. I mean, we're turning our heart to God. And it's very important that we know that we have done so. And we have to be willing to call on Jesus Christ alone for salvation. It's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus alone. Romans chapter 10 verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm very thankful that God made it simple for us. He sent his only begotten son to die for the sin of mankind. Jesus paid the price for us. Now it is just up to us to look unto him, turn our heart to him and trust Jesus Christ as our savior. I'm so thankful that all the work has been done. We don't work to get saved. We don't hope that one day we'll be saved. Well, preacher, one of these days we'll get up to the pearly gates and Peter will be there and he's going to weigh my good works with my bad works. You're in trouble then. Because no matter how much good you do from this point until you die, it's not going to work out well for you. 
Because there's only one way of salvation, only one way of ever making your way into those pearly gates, and that's by trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That is the one thing that you must do. Salvation can never become a reality in your life until you make the decision to bow your heart before God and ask Jesus to come into your life. And let me go ahead and throw this in there. You need to know that you shouldn't wait to do that. Well, I can do that one of these days. You don't know that. We don't know if we have tomorrow. You don't know if you'll make it back home to your house today. No, no, we don't know. We actually don't know. Are you just trying to scare me? No, I'm trying to be very real about this whole thing. We don't know. Come on, life is but a vapor and it's gone like that, isn't it? I mean, I mean, we have to make sure that we know. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in a day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I'm just saying, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today would be a good day to get that settled. Be a very good day to get that settled. Anyway, back to our subject, we were there in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, where it says, He saith, he that saith he abided in him ought also himself uh, so to walk even as he walked. So there's got to be this declaration of surrender. Are you still with me? There has to be this declaration of surrender. The word abideth there in that verse means to tarry or to dwell. And, and that, brings to, that brings to mind another passage of Scripture that John used over in, 1 John, uh, no, over in John chapter 15, verse number 1, um, where, 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 where he used this word. He, he records the, the words of Jesus, where Jesus said, we're not going to go over there, where Jesus says that he is a true vine and that we who are saved are the branches. Jesus is a true vine and we who are saved are the branches. And just like the branch of a literal vine, our duty to our Savior is to abide in Him. To abide in the vine. That means we're to draw our very life from Him. Come on, the, the vine is the part that comes out of the ground. The branches are the ones that go out and bear fruit. The vine is the life source. And so we're plugged into Him or should be plugged into Him. We're to surrender to His will. We're surrendered to his power in us. We are to bear fruit and we cannot make fruit happen on our own. It's not going to, no, 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 it's not going to happen. We're to yield everything up to Jesus in absolute and total surrender. Come on, we know, we know about Romans chapter 12 and verse number one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, H-O-L-Y, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we have to check ourselves out on occasion. I mean, is our life totally surrendered to the will of God? Are we truly abiding in the vine? Are we drawing from, here, from Him? <clears throat> Every spring, a pear tree, most, will bloom. They bloom. Beautiful when it happens. And the blooms indicate that the tree is alive and has a fruit, listen, and has a fruit-bearing capability. But the blooms, don't, the blooms don't make pears. No, the tree makes the pears. We have to be plugged in. 
So how do you go about abiding in Jesus? Well, the only possible way for us to abide in him, abide in him is to spend time with him in his word and in prayer. And as we spend more time with him, we'll learn more about him. We'll learn to, we'll learn to love him the way that we should. We'll find ourselves, uh, uh, we will find more areas of our lives to yield to his will and yield to his control. I'm thankful, I'm thankful that once we, that when we get saved, that God doesn't just dump everything on us at once. I mean, he knows that we're babes in Christ. He begins to work on us little by little, deal with us little by little. And as we listen to him, he can do great work in our life as we yield to his control. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, listen, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That they had been with Jesus. You know, spending time with him is never wasted time. It's never, never wasted time. Spending time in your Bible is never wasted time. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it. Spending time on Facebook is wasted time. Spending time on TikTok is wasted time. Uh, Spending time on Instagram is wasted time. And I know there's a bunch of other things that this old guy doesn't know about that can just be wasted time. But spending, spending time in your Bible and talking to God and praying is not wasted time. It will transform you. It will change you. It will help you. It will strengthen you. It will feed that new man. I'm telling you, it will help you to become what God intends for you to be. But there's also a declaration of service here. The concept of abiding also carries the idea of service. I mean, not only, not only does one need to be saved and, and surrender to whatever God wants, but that person also needs to be serving in some capacity. I mean, the love for Christ that manifests itself in service to Christ is as natural as a, to a Christian as is breathing. Truly. Come on, when we are saved and we're truly abiding in Him as we should be abiding in Him, then the natural outcome of that is fruit bearing. We're going to bear fruit. Again, Jesus said over in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth me, and I in him, uh, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And so if we're not bringing about a fruitful Christian life, we must not be abiding in him so much. Okay, I'll say it again. If we're not, if we're not bringing about a fruitful Christian life, then we must not be abiding in him enough. I know the fruit of I know the fruit of a pear tree is a pear. I understand the fruit of a Christian's Christian. I understand all that. But I'm telling you, it's it's not only it's not only that we would see somebody else come to know Christ, but but a fruitful Christian life, fruitful Bible time, fruitful prayer time, fruitful church time, fruitful Sunday school time. I mean, I mean, fruitful in all areas of our life to where we begin to change. I mean, God is changing us in such a way that we know it is God is changing us. Look, there are things that have happened in my life that I, can only, that I can only credit to God. There's changes that have been made in my life that I can only credit to God. And it's because, I, I, because of the times that I have yielded to Him and tried to just listen and do the things that He would have me to do. I'm telling you, it's just by His grace. It's by His grace I'm saved. It's by His grace that I'm anything other than what I was when He saved me. But I'm telling you, as we abide in Him, there is fruit in our life because of that. Come on, He changes our heart. He changes our life. He changes the way we see things. He changes the way we look at things. He changes us from the inside out. He changes us if we will allow Him to do that. When a person is saved and surrendered, they'll naturally serve the Lord and they'll bear fruit for His glory. I mean... 
while First John chapter 2 and verse number 6 is a small short verse, he that saith he abided in him ought, ought all, himself also to walk even as he walked. The people that John refers to are making quite a claim. No, even though it's a tiny verse, the people, they're making quite a claim. Because they're saying here, they're saying they're saved, they're saying they're surrendered, and they say they're faithfully serving God. They say what many say in our day. Yet people can say anything they like, can't they? Uh, Come on, our mouth can say whatever, can't it? The proof, as they say, is in the pudding. I, I mean, John is about to tell us that it doesn't matter what you say, the reality of your life exists in what you do and who you are. Truly. And we see here in this scripture that there's a, poor, a performance that's, that's demanded. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked, as Jesus walked. And I think that's a very reasonable expectation, truly. That word ought, it says to him, ought himself also. That word ought means to be indebted to. In himself there in that verse means it's talking about the one that's making the profession. So the Bible is telling us that every person who claims to be saved should recognize that he has a personal responsibility to God. Come on, I don't mean to imply that we can ever pay God back for our salvation. We'll never be able to pay him back for that. I understand. No, 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 I know that. But we should all recognize that God didn't save us just to keep us out of hell. I'm thankful I don't have to go to hell, but he didn't save us just to keep us out of hell. We have a serious responsibility to the Lord once we're saved by his wonderful grace. Every saved person in this room this morning owes God 100% surrender and effort. That's what we, no, 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 come on. Let, okay, so, okay. But let's face it. <clears throat> Many are doing nothing to serve the Lord. I mean, let's just be real. Some people feel like it's enough for them just come on to come to church on Sunday morning, doing their religious duties, whatever the case may be, or just to drop in in church whenever they feel like it to you know try to get whatever. And then there's others that fill up their life with everything under the sun, but they leave no time for God, no time for His work. Our reasonable service is to yield to Him everything we are in total sacrifice and surrender. He, no, 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 we're bought with a price. And if our lives are really sacrificed to God, to the Lord, then we will have no rights. I know we don't like that, but it's true. We'll have no rights, but all we are and all we do is totally left up to Him. Lord, what wilt Thou have me to do? How do You want me to live? How do You want me to treat people? How do You want me to talk? How do You want me to walk? Where do You want me to go? I don't think God's out of line at all when he says that. According to our text, this is what you ought to do. It's what the Bible says. And we have to think about, well, I'm, you know, I'm, no, no, what, what's your real story? What do you mean, preacher? Well, does God, I mean, does, does God come in second place or, or even worse 
to your activities, to your own plans in life? Is he second place, maybe third place? Maybe even fourth, fourth place? I mean, who are we really walking to please? Are we walking to please us or God? And we know it ought to be Him. Come on, you people that are saved by the grace of God, you ought to say amen right there. We know it should be Him. It should be Him. I mean, even even just remembering the, the terrible price that Jesus paid to save your soul. He was beaten and ridiculed. He was nailed to the cross. He shed His lifeblood. He gave up the ghost and died. Our love for Jesus is told by what we do rather than what we say. Because we can say anything. So there needs to be an example. He that saith he abideth him ought himself also... Also, so to walk, even as he walked, as Jesus walked. This, this tells us that every person ought to walk like Jesus. Well, we ought to. Well, preacher, I'm trying. I, me too. And you get points for trying. Oh, absolutely so. Because we're all just trying. Come on, we're all, we're all trying or we're not trying. Come on, and there's a difference in saying, oh, well, I'm trying, when you're not really trying. And then really trying. I mean, we ought to be trying. Because of what He's done for us. I mean, He is to be the standard for which we are all to reach. Every step we take should be patterned after Him, after His walk. I mean, we have to think about how Jesus walked. A a few examples from his life may answer that question and teach us how we need to live. Let me give you uh, just a few of those. He placed God's will ahead of all things. John 4, 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He placed God's will ahead of all things. Uh, He also loved all men equally. He never turned anyone away, Matthew 12, 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. He, and, and he always did those things that please God. In, in other words, he did not live for self. He lived for the glory of God. John chapter 8, verse 29. And he that, he that sent me is with me, Jesus said. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Jesus was also compassionate toward others, Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he's moved with, with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And we know this for sure. He was a man of faith, John 11, verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. You know, that one of the greatest things that blows my mind is that God listens to me as his child. No, don't make, me stay, don't, don't make me stop here very long. I, I'm telling you, it blows my mind that God listens to me as His child. He hears me when I call out to Him. When I'm praying, no, no, no. When, when I'm asking Him for help, He is there to help me. When I'm pouring out my heart to Him because I'm heartbroken about something, He is there, he is there for me. 
when I fail him along the way and I go to him and ask forgiveness, guess what he does? He forgives me. He helps me. He does listen to us. I mean, we have to have that faith. Come on, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We have to have that faith. Well, I don't know why God would listen to somebody like me. Well, I, know, I know that feeling. I don't understand it at all, why God, why God puts up with me. I guarantee you that's right. But He does, and He loves me, and we have to have that faith that He is there for us. But above all, He was a man who walked with God. Jesus was the perfect revelation of God to man. John 14, 9, Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then? Show us the Father. Jesus was our example. He was our example. Everything that He did, everything He did, He did as an example for you and I. I mean, we're to imitate him and how he lived and what he did well come because somebody's always watching no no we profess to be christians somebody's always watching and we have to we need to be a godly example to people we belong to the lord now if we've been saved by the grace of god we belong to him 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. It goes on, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're a purchased possession. We're bought with a price. We've, given a, we've been given a place in the heavenlies already. And we are not our own. That's what it says. We are not our own. We belong to Him. So there needs to be, stay with me, we're almost done. There needs to be a practice decided. What do you mean? It says, ought himself also to walk. I don't know if I'm following you, preacher. Well, we need to make a decision to follow after the Lord in our daily walk. We have to make that decision. Usually we need to make it every morning. Every morning. And it's a decision that's worth making. I mean, the greatest decision in my life after salvation was to follow the Lord in all phases of my life. Whatever He wanted me to do, wherever He wanted me to go, whatever He'd have in my life. Ought Himself also to walk. John is telling us that this walk really is expected of us. It's expected of us. You think about it. When a person joins a military, what's expected of them? Well, to become a soldier. There's no other expectation. And when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, become a Christian, we are supposed to be like Christ. It's what the word Christian means, Christ-like. It's really a decision I believe few make. But it's a very good decision if we'd make it. When we choose to walk with Him, we must walk where He walks. I mean, He decides the pathway in which we will walk. No, I'm saying we no longer have any choice in walking. If we make our own choice, listen to me, if we make our own choice to walk in a certain place contrary to His will, we're going to be walking alone. And I really believe that's not why very many truly decide to walk with Him. 
they decide, look up here, please. They decide they're going to do their own thing. It really doesn't matter what God says. And that's a shame when God loves us so much and really wants the best for our life. No, 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 I'm not just trying to be ugly. I'm telling you, it's just a shame when we won't go the way He wants us to go, when He knows best what our life is all about and what He's trying to do with us. Your walk will describe your purpose. And it will describe your faithfulness. And really it will describe your love factor. We are to love God with everything in us. So with all of that said, where do you stand today? What what do you mean, Pastor? Well, are you in Him? I mean, has there been a time that you've trusted Christ as your Savior? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? And are you walking as He walked? I, I, I believe these are reasonable, honest questions. So maybe we just need to give an honest response this morning. I have to believe that the Lord's dealt with hearts today. And if so, why not come and make some things right that are found to be lacking in your life this morning? Some of you hadn't met with the Lord at His altar in a long, long time. Some of you aren't walking like you should. You aren't faithful to His house. You aren't tithing. You aren't allowing. You've allowed little things to slip into your life that you know displease God. You don't share the gospel anymore. I mean, very simply, you're just not living the way the Lord would have His people to live. And there's a real good possibility in a group this size that some are not saved. They've never trusted Christ as their Savior. Now is the time to take care of all these things. I mean, you're in the perfect place to do it. To make things right with God that aren't right with God or to come to that saving knowledge of Christ. There's never been anyone that's come to Him that He's turned away. He won't turn you away. So as we go into this invitation, I'm going to encourage you to come and let the Lord have His way in your life today. Whatever He might have you to do. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed eyes are closed. Nobody looking around in respect of others for just a moment, please. It could be that you're here today and you'd have to say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I know I'm not saved. I know I've not trusted Christ as my Savior. I know I've not. Would you please remember me in prayer? Well, I'd like to. I'd like to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up wherever you're at? Our heads are bowed. No one's looking around. Right there. God bless your heart. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you so much for that. Others, right there. God bless you, sir. You may put your hand down. Thank you for that. Others, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. When you pray for these, will you pray for me? I I sure will. Absolutely so. I want to do that. Absolutely. Preacher, I'm just not sure I'm saved. Would Would you allow me just to pray for you? Just slip your hand up. I'll see it. I'll acknowledge it. We'll move on. Anyone else? Preacher, I'm just not sure I know Christ as my Savior.
This morning you'd have to say, preacher, I'm not where I need to be. In my walk with God, I'm not where I need to be. And I know that. But I want to be. So preacher, would you just pray for me that I'll do those things I know that I need to do to get my life straightened up that way. I want to pray for you like that. Would you slip your hands up and hold them up high for just a minute? Would you do that? God bless your heart there. Hold them up for just a minute. God bless you back there, right there, right there. Others back there. God bless you. Appreciate that so very much. You may put your hands down. You didn't raise your hand before, but you want to raise it now. Yeah, preacher, I know that my life is not what it needs to be. Would you please? I didn't raise my hand before, but I want to raise it now. Preacher, I know. Would you please pray for me too? Would you do that? Come on. God spoke to your heart this morning. Just let me pray for you. I just want to pray for you right there. God bless you. 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 Appreciate that very much. I appreciate it. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. We're going to stand to our feet. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you, Father, for how you've spoken to hearts today. And I don't know the needs of those, Lord, that you spoke to their heart. They're not where they need to be. I don't know their needs, but you know their needs very well. And I just pray, Lord, they'd spend some time with you now, asking you to do in their life what only you can do, yielding themselves to you as only as only they can do. You're not going to force them to do anything. I pray they'd be yielded, ready to walk the way that you would have them to walk, to live the way that you'd have them to live, that you would help them, that you'd give them grace and strength. Lord, that you would guide them in your word and that you'd make those changes that only you can make. And then we pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their Savior, Lord. I pray, Father, that they might even come today and let us take them aside and Help them to get that all settled. Most important decision they'll ever make. Father, I pray that you would work in their heart and you would work in their life and you would draw them and you would convince them and convict them that this is their greatest need. Lord, uh, that they might even come this morning. Father, bless this time of invitation, we pray. Help us to do what you would have us to do. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you get done, for we ask it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The instruments are going to play. Some have already come and they're praying. The altar's open. You need to come. Come on, God spoke to your heart this morning. You need to spend some time with Him. Why don't you come? Just let Him have His way. Just yield to Him completely. You don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Why don't you come? Somebody will meet you down here. Be happy to take a Bible. Take you aside. Open it up. Show you how you can get that all settled if you'll just come. Whatever it is that God wants you to do, we'd sure love to help you.